0: Good evening. You're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I am your host, Troy Goodfellow. Here to talk about the biggest strategy game, I think, of 2016, uh, from one of the most storied, if not the most storied franchises in strategy game history. I'm, of course, talking about Sid Meier's Civilization VI, a design by Ed Beach. To help cover the ground of this very important game, and I think we'll talk more critically about the design, whether it's a good game or not, though I would like to get people's opinions on that, I have three of our regular irregulars. Freelance writer Fraser Brown. Hello! Freelance writer Rowan Kaiser.
1: From the first stirrings of Life Beneath Water, (laughs) I have waited for this podcast.
0: Do not take up time with artistic merit. Uh... (laughs) And uh, our co-host, partner in crime, uh, from the Game Design Roundtable podcast, Mr. Dave Heron.
2: Good evening.
0: So let's begin with, I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, Fraser, let's start with you. Let's just get the big things out of the way. What, for you, is the most important, significant design choice in Civilization VI that sets it apart?
3: Oh man, putting me on the spot here straight away, Troy. Um, I'd say probably the district stuff is uh, it's it's also my favourite thing with, with Civ 6 where they have unstacked the cities, that's what Fraxis are, are calling it. So a lot of the buildings are now in these separate districts you have the, the kind of main city district where you build granaries and things like that and then you have holy sites and encampments and they are all kind of they're basically all focused on like military, science, religion, things like that, and they get lots of benefits from being in specific tiles or or bonuses when they're near like mountains and rivers and things like that. And it, it's kind of been a way for them to like expand the cities. The cities grow, and you actually feel like you're constructing a city rather than just adding buildings to this kind of base. Uh, and it it makes it a little bit more. There's a more of a threat when enemies come because you feel a bit more vulnerable because you've got all these districts that they might destroy. Um, and it, it just, I think it adds a lot more entertainment to the uh, to the city management because there's just a lot more to do. It's quite fun. It's a bit more tactile, I think. And it, it feels like cities are properly growing throughout the game uh, rather than just being loaded with lots of buildings that you'll forget.
1: I think the... that's a main part of the change in focus in the game which is that it really wants you to be looking at the map and not its menus it wants everything every decision that you're trying to make in civilization six is based on how will this affect the map which i think is kind of a reification of what civilization has been as a series and a focus on like all right, this is a game about developing a map and your empire upon that map. And um, yeah, it's the districts are the main part of that, but there are also several other smaller changes, like the way that builders work and uh, just the way the whole interface is designed that has you not looking at a bunch of numbers on a screen somewhere else, but always trying to look at the core of the game as it were Mm -hmm. yeah i I think there's there's a lot of little changes um
2: the builders being being one but we've actually sort of seen some of this stuff before but those are things that i was all you know able to to roll with i think the districts uh i think is definitely the biggest thing uh if only like it was it was the element that made me restart the my first you know my first game when i realized (laughs) like oh i i didn't understand that i should have been uh been planning this out uh, uh, at the beginning uh, let me go back with some some knowledge uh wish some of that had been in the civilopedia but it's not which is unfortunate
0: <laughs> yeah i especially like how the district's uh, design spins over into so many other aspects of the game uh with all of the buildings in one city with building just inside of city, like in all the previous civs you really didn't need to have uh, you know specialized cities all that often. Every now and then, you would have won. In Civ Six, you know, you could only build certain buildings in some cities, like mints, where there was uh, gold or gems, for example. In Civ Six. but there was if you could afford it and you had time, there was no real reason to not have every city you know producing uh, a lot of buildings. But with you know the but by forcing you to build districts and other structures on the map and even the wonders. Are only relevant in certain locations, you can't. Not everyone can build the pyramids, for example. Um, it takes a lot to build Great Zimbabwe. You got to put it on flat land near cattle, but also near something else. I think I've only built it once in a hundred hours. In fact, I think I even. And so you have to plan ahead in very unusual ways. So you would have. I mean, you you might not have. Um, Holy center in most of your cities unless you're really pushing for that religious end um where do you want how many theaters do you want should i build a when should i build my encampments uh, you want to rush for the industrial zone because that makes your city so much more productive but do you have space for it because a city has to have a certain population where you can add another district so if you've already wasted your space on two or three districts you gotta wait before you can build that fourth one um, so everything is tied together uh, through this city planning that, you know, as Fraser said, really makes the map a fun and interesting place to work.
3: I think it's interesting the way that it makes you uh, set your cities in, in weird places. Like when you're putting a settler down and, and building a city in the desert where there are like no resources and that city is going to develop really slowly. But if you build Petra first... All of those desert tiles suddenly become amazing, and you have like a powerhouse. But you have to go through this period where you're waiting to, to well, firstly unlock uh, Petra, and then there's that race to actually get it. Or that city might end up being just completely garbage forever. Uh, it's it's almost counterintuitive because you're like looking at these areas of land. And you're like, they're not that great, but you have to start thinking about the future. They could be amazing. Yeah, it's like uh in previous
1: civs, if you start like with half of your starting city in a tundra, that's terrible. Like you're never going to be able to have that city be a powerhouse. But in this if you get your um the pre religion thing, mm-hmm. your pantheon, with the uh, bonus to a holy site built on tundra, any you you can have a holy site that's generating nine faith per turn without even actually having any buildings in it and you can just turn it into an immediate religious powerhouse and i mean like not
2: even that far down the civic tree to spoil things you can you can double that like pretty quickly and so i think, I yeah. think that, that that's a that's i think the the most the second most notable uh in that your very first turn uh players of 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 civ i mean assuming you don't move around with your settler cuz who would do that um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> half the audience <laughs> um uh but but you're you're forced to 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 um pick your your uh technology which you're going to research which is you know sort of standard and then there's this they've they've redone civics they've redone society and now it's this it's this separate uh far more linear i suppose um uh, research tree and uh and that isn't the only thing that they've done with research they've added this new this new system called uh called eureka moments and basically it's these um these short term directives these these uh, these objectives um that the map lays out that if you can complete them, and these these are things like uh, find a natural wonder, uh, build six farms, build two archers, kill something with a slinger, um, you basically get a get a fifty percent discount on on any given civic uh, research or or technology research, and uh, I found that uh, a little hot and cold. What was your relationship with this this sort of change?
3: So I I actually really liked it. I thought this particularly I think it's going to be great for people who aren't really that familiar Mm -hmm. with Civ because it's giving them little quests, things that they might not know how to do or if they could do it. And then it kind of inspires them to go out and maybe, for instance, it makes exploration, especially early on, this fantastic thing because everything you're doing with this explorer when you're meeting new city-states, meeting new civilizations, like fighting barbarians, all of these things, they'll give you bonuses to your research. So just by interacting with every aspect of the game, you are getting more stuff, more research. Um, I find it really quite beneficial. I didn't Mm -hmm. really see a downside, although maybe it sort of inspired me to do things that i wouldn't have normally done uh and maybe were to the detriment of my civilization Mm -hmm. because i was focusing on the wrong thing
2: so so i think i think the the sort of the if there is a downside or the part that's a little cold um was i think one of the early criticisms or maybe it was a late criticism of of john schaefer's uh, vanilla Civ 5 was uh, this idea that um in Civ 5, you basically, in your first uh, 50, 60 turns, um, decided on, on, and this is on like Emperor above, right? You decided on your victory condition and you pretty much uh, followed this path. And deviations from that path, like it was so tightly balanced that it actually caused a problem. And, and I think that. This system actually uh, reinforces that. So if it wasn't something that you were particularly into, um, I, I, this might this might be bad because what it is is it's this, it's this positive feedback loop, or at least that's what I experienced, where uh, because I was doing things, and the eureka moments are typically triggered by. Uh, embracing the technology that comes before it right so you unlock the ability to build a water mill then the construction eureka moment is build a water mill and then that allows you to build factories and then the next eureka moment is build two factories and what happened to me in the five or six games now i've completed um is i have gone vastly you know deep in one wing of the of the um uh the tech tree by virtue of these eureka moments and i am i'm in the the bronze age you know i have radios but
1: i'm 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 still using pikemen uh this is this is something i think is a massive benefit to the game to be honest mm-hmm. i don't think i don't think that's a negative at all i think that one of the big problems with civilization in the past even beyond the straightforward victory conditions of civ 5 is that it portrays history as linear right like once you get a certain ahead in a certain way you're probably ahead in that way for the rest of the game and uh, you know exactly like how you're going to progress down this thing you're going to be like in civilization 2 it's like if i don't build leonardo's workshop i'm quitting the game like that's just kind of the way that it was whereas this um uh, the eureka moments going down this particular path combined with the civics tree being built on culture instead of research means that you have civilizations that can be of wildly varied form and one of them is not significantly inherently significantly better than the others. Um, I do think this does lead to some problems. Like I had a Congo game where I got two religious relics immediately and uh, Congo gets huge cultural buffs from religious relics. So I was like in the 20th century in the civics tree, but I was... You know, still medieval in my tech tree, and districts increase in um, cost, and you can't buy districts with gold. So I was basically stuck in a place where I had zero production but tons of gold, and it was a really boring game. But that was probably an outlier. Sure. I, I mean, I still do like the idea of the game offering history is a thing that is not linear yeah i'll do you one better
2: I, I i my in my congo game i was i'm fishing for achievements and i did a dual map a really small map where there's only one other player and i got uh, from one of the the goody huts i got a, you know an early game relic and then i i got one early on and i won the game on turn 68 by by a culture victory
0: Wow! Yeah, can, can we talk about about culture victory and why it sucks? Um,
2: We can talk <laughs> about culture victory in a number of different ways. Why it sucks? Uh, why it seemingly is the most buggy uh, victory? And I've had two games now where it just doesn't trigger.
1: Sure,
0: let's talk mm. about
2: it. I
1: think, I think we should talk about the victory conditions in general.
2: Because... Well,
0: let's talk about the victory conditions in general. There are how many victory conditions? Five. Five? There's cultural, there's religious, there's scientific. domination,
1: scientific, and... One other incredibly important victory condition.
0: Points! Points. <laughs> yeah, no. just finishing yeah. the right. time span. And uh, the, the science victory is familiar to pretty much anybody You go into space. In this game, it is uh, Mars Colony instead of Alpha Centauri, and a break from the past. Um, and the space race takes a long time. Domination is eliminating or capturing capitals, just like in Civ 6. Religious is converting uh, a whole bunch of cities to your religion in a very aggressive missionary spam way. And culture is, just like Civ 6, based on what they call tourism, which is generally accumulated by. Building great works, something that continues also from Civ6, great writers and great artists. In and five. Then, Troy, sorry, you Civ5. Civ6. Exactly. My brain, my brain. It is a lot like Civ5, Civ6, VI in victory conditions, uh, structure at least, um, and culture victory. And yeah, you accumulate uh, great works of writing, great works of art, uh, religious relics for tourism, and also occasionally archae- archaeological digs. Something else from Civilization Five. Uh, not six. Brave New World specifically. My really. issue my issue with it is that first it's a very boring victory condition because you don't actually do anything. It seems even less active than it was in Civilization Five because in Civ Five it was largely culture by culture and you could track the growth very, very easily uh, the other civilizations would interact with you in interesting ways. They would be angry if you dug up stuff in their territory. They don't seem to be as angry here about that. Of course, that all
3: happened in Brave New World. Vanilla didn't now, have well, any yeah, of
0: that. Right, but and no one no one plays it with the Brave New World now. If you do, you're doing it wrong. Um, but in here, the culture victory, and uh, I'll talk about the religious victory. Why well, It's bad, too, but let's start with the culture victory. The culture victory just seems to... Congratulations, you have enough culture. It is uh, not something you try for. It is something you stumble upon. And it there's no meter counting down saying, hey, you're really close to winning. All you need to do is get that Edgar Allan Poe buff and you're all set. Um, so it is very disappointing, especially since two or three of the uh, great people you can recruit, recruit. You recruit great people based on bonuses acquired in the districts. The artist, the writer, and the musician you know that's 3 of the 6 major great people cuz you only get one profit directly contribute to a culture victory and they're kind of dull yeah i think i think there's there's
2: uh there can be a little bit more to it and and so now i've played through uh i I've, I've played through three games two of which have gotten bugged out and never triggered which was which is frustrating and i think it's a uh, specifically with culture victories and i think it's a little bit more nuanced um uh, a couple of things uh, is it ties in, but it doesn't really explain very well. And I think this is a, a UI problem, but also this is the worst Civlopedia I've encountered. Um, so a couple of different things. Um, trade. Now, um, through the use of civics and a couple of different things, you can actually... Um, so basically what you're trying to do is is your culture acts as your defense and your tourism is your offense and basically you need to acquire more tourists than the next uh of the next highest civs culture or the, the highest civ culture so if if uh if you know if the highest civ's culture is other than you is 270 you need to get 271 tourists and you get tourists by attacking via culture uh, each individual uh, civilization that you've encountered and you're trying to lure the tourists. And you do this by, by, primarily by by building wonders and by collecting works of art. But you can do a couple other things. So one is uh, trade. Having good trade relations and setting uh, trade units will actually increase the effectiveness. And the second more subtler thing, which, which on the higher levels I think is really important, is this is where espionage comes in. So uh, really, if you want to be most effective in the culture of victory, you're trying to create set bonuses, um, which are, uh, you know, different works of art can have a number of different properties. Who created them? What time period? Uh, what's the theme? Uh, and by building museums and and wonders uh, and mixing and matching and making sure you have, you know, you, you play curator, uh, you get you get a, a bonus. And I found the best way to do that is sending uh, spies to my enemies and having them uh, play uh, Carmen Sandiego and steal uh, pieces of art. And that's yes. how I I made mine was 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 being aggressive in espionage. Uh, and
0: yeah, well, yeah well, one of my favorite messages is uh, your spy has stolen the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Mm-hmm
2: that's right exactly
0: master spy there that's you know Um, that's some good work there lady
2: yeah so while while it certainly is is uh you know potentially buggy and and maybe not as as active uh on the map uh, there is this sort of uh, uh meta layer that exists within the ui that you start playing you're playing you're playing a different game and I don't think that game's actually that interesting. I, I really try to put no. it through its paces. Well, and as much as I try to, I don't think it's worked out so well.
1: The, another thing is that ever since, pri- particularly Civ IV, the series has tried to move towards transparency with all of its numbers. Um, Civ IV had the thing where uh, it started showing you the pluses and minuses for why uh, your rivals liked you or disliked you. And that was apparently just a playtester thing that they had to test something out. But the playtesters were like, why did you take that away? We desperately want that. Bring it back. So it's that was like the first step in the series leaning towards trying to have all the numbers out there for you if you wanted them. And this was true with the shift in the culture victories from Vanilla Civ V to Brave New World, where Brave New World instituted a system that was much like this. But Brave New World had all these numbers out in out there for you to see you could like just hover your mouse over something and it would say how long until your tourism beats this other country's culture and you could plan and do all this it was not it was still not as satisfying as a military victory, which is a huge problem with the series overall, but it was something that you could plan for and work the map with your archaeologists, and there was like an attempt to make a nonviolent victory be as transparent and interesting as a violent victory or a scientific victory. And then it's like in Civ Six they just took all that and put it in a box and said, It's roughly the same, but we're just not going to show you it that much and I don't understand why they would do that. It's makes the game less interesting, it makes the culture victories way less interesting, and it's probably the single worst design decision in the entire game.
3: (laughs) My problem with it was that it felt like, because I actually think a lot of the ideas behind what they're doing with culture are actually kind of interesting on paper. My problem was it felt like you couldn't not be in the running to win with culture. Yeah, just by playing the game, you're basically almost at the top of the culture leaderboard. It's ridiculous. The amount of times where I've been, you know, I've decided I'm going to go for a scientific victory Mm -hmm. or I'm just going to be a conqueror. But because I'm doing things like trading and because I have like great writers and great works, I'm just doing all the things that Civs do. I'm like number one or two, and in culture, and I didn't even try to do Mm -hmm. that. And it kind of feels. It doesn't feel very satisfying when you win a game by mistake.
2: <laughs> so, so I, I I think that that, that is uh, a symptom of 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 a larger change, um, which is is a is a little bit more nuanced change. It's not a little bit uh, uh, as obvious as the others that we've mentioned, but that is that uh, Civ 6 has sort of backed away um, from the more restricted nature of Civilization building that was in Civ 5. So Civ 5 had all all sorts of 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 penalties and and, and things that kept a civilization down to uh 369 cities if you're playing one of the wide ones um i think things like a lot of those have been pulled away if not all of them and and i have gone back to my early civ techniques and the the the, the ways that i've won so much is i'm just like city spamming and actually like because of the 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 districts and the uh the network effect where you know you can you have these improvements and 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 that sort of affect all city centers within six tiles is that you can actually like populate uh a very like with with you know an incredible amount of cities like we're getting into like 12 14 16 and things like culture uh, they scale with those. There is no, uh, you know, divide by number of cities part of the mathematic equation. And I found that for the most part, the AI doesn't, doesn't do that. It keeps a very like, like, especially on, on like an island map, you know, it keeps a, a civilization down to one, two, if they're violent, maybe they've taken a few city states. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly uh, the largest empires uh,
1: on the map. I I normally try to have good, um, maybe not quite perfect cities, but I want to have like a nice, well spaced set of metropolises, and I still find myself generally the largest, unless I'm playing at a higher difficulty where you know the AI starts with extra settlers.
3: But yeah, even when playing against uh, kind of conquest hungry uh and I'm I'm not doing that. I am just building cities. Um, they, they do seem to always be smaller. I think
1: that uh, this sort of gets to a general problem with Civ Six and the entire series, and I think it, this is something that Troy especially wanted to talk about, was that um, the AI struggles to put together a fair fight, and this is a game that's only really interesting if it's fair and this has been my struggle with the last four civilizations I've realized, is that I spend 10 times more of my energy trying to figure out the best size of map, number of AI empires, difficulty level, and so on, to have a game that I find to be fair and comfortable and fun. And this continues to struggle with that. And I don't no, I don't know if this is something that the series is just always going to have as long as it has its premise. And so I like a ton of the design decisions that are made in this game. I really like the focus being on short term planning and quests as opposed to the pick your victory condition type of Civ Five. Like I hated that about Civ Five. Um and
3: like everything about this. It's a beautiful game. We should mention that, like
0: oh it's absolutely gorgeous yeah
3: and it's like a distinct art style they haven't just gone we're just going to make it better graphics than Civ 5 they've gone for a completely yeah. different style which uh, is a little bit more minimalist a little bit cartoony but it's, yeah, it's I, beautiful I, I,
0: I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of the new leader portraits I think they are a bit too cartoony enough um, I mean not that Civ's ever had really great leader portraits uh, but I think these ones are just don't seem to fit for some reason but in general, I think, you know, the art is outstanding, and um, the music's okay. Some people really love the music. I just really lo- I really love Tin's opening theme. Christopher Tin, who's, you know, one of the nicest guys and a uh, talented uh, uh, composer, and I think his theme is just the best. But the I think it is a beautiful, beautiful game.
1: There, there's a lot of really nice touches to it, too. It's yeah. uh, like if you yeah. turn on and off a tile that your city is working like you can see what the effects of the work are when you have silk it's just a forest that maybe has some little colorful worms when you work that tile there's silk all over the trees there are all these webs Mm -hmm. and stuff it's just it's it's it's, it's incredibly detailed uh one of the other sort of great
2: points and we'll just take a brief reprieve from from game design is uh uh i'm i'm playing i have i got my macbook and that's one of the ways i've been playing this game and uh, again, it's uh, I think it's Aspire or Esper has done the port. Um, their Civ Five port was dreadful. It was slow. It crashed. It was oh, it was it was such a mess. This port, fantastic. It mm. runs very very smoothly. Uh, so uh, Apple Apple Mac users uh, go out there and and, and play with it. Um, one of the one of the things that they've, that they've changed that I'm not too sure I fully understand. Cause it's one of the weird, it's one of the things that they don't really expose is this concept of war weariness. Now I know in my Gandhi game, uh, I, I quickly got, uh, people quickly, despite the, the, the text saying that they, that they wouldn't do it, uh, had a lot of, um, uh, wars, uh, on empire, on emperor, uh, being declared surprise wars being declared. Um, uh, the AI doesn't partic- didn't particularly know what to do. And it was at a, at a, at a point where, because I was a, a, theocracy, I could just, uh, press into service using my faith points, uh, some pretty significant forces and was able to, to fight off the three that, that attacked me. Um, uh, but what, what the end result was, um, is I was like counterattacking. I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to fucking take all your cities. Um, but what was interesting is that like their economies were completely crippled. Uh, I did a little bit of searching and and was told that this was due to war weariness, which Gandhi has a times two multiplier. I don't actually know what was happening. Do do either Does anyone here?
3: Yeah, it's um every aggressive move you make in a war adds to contributes to war weariness. Mhm. Um so the more, I guess, the the more violent your war is, the more exhausted people become. Um, I'm not completely sure about like like the numbers, because mm-hmm. uh, the Wikipedia again, it kind of it explains the basic concept, and then it's like job done.
2: And doesn't cross-link things, and oh, it's, nope. it's there's a there's a bad like oh geez, if you want to find out like uh all the all the um wonders that need to be built on rivers because that's super important when you're planning your city yeah. uh you better go to a wiki because that's not in the game it's i think what, what really you need
3: to do if you're if you're struggling with with war weariness is it's the um uh, for the, what's the name the enter uh, entertainment complex the right. uh, the district um i think the more stuff you have in there that it's like the happiness that's generated by mm-hmm. that kind of negate some of the war weariness. But again, I'm not sure about the numbers because it's just...
2: just, Yeah,
1: who knows? This is,
3: I think, one of the somewhat negative side effects
1: of having the focus beyond the map is that I think the game sort of wants you to just kind of take it as it comes. Mm. And a lot of the time when you're looking for, okay, why did this just happen? It's there. But there's also a significant number of times where it's just like, I don't know... And I'm sorry I stopped looking at the map because now I'm just utterly confused about everything. You and, want to be uh, able
3: to get into the guts of the thing <clears throat> and actually understand it. It's, it's such a strange thing to, be, uh, to kind of obfuscate that when strategy is all about having information. Um, it is, it's very strange and it doesn't feel uh, that civvy, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, because they are trying to make it, I guess, smoother, and you kind of you're meant to understand what's happening immediately, as you said, Rowan, by just looking at the map. But you don't. You have a vague idea, and then when you want to go down that rabbit hole and and figure out more stuff, it's a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Rowan, earlier you sort of mentioned that trying to find that balance of like what is the the, the what what initial setup is going to create the right game. Have you found it? Because my personal experience has been. Um, the stock Emperor setting, I played a, a Russia game, an India game, a China game, a Sidian game, and one more. Every single one of those games, I felt completely overpowered. Like, whatever their sieve mechanic was, I just leaned into it and rolled over the, the AI. Uh, I went one up and was just shellacked. Like... Early, early on, I was I think it was the I'm pretty sure it was because of the extra settlers. Like it was just like, oh, my God, they had like four cities and just came and destroyed me. And uh, oh, and because they had uh, I think because of that, like they were rapidly going through technologies. And so the barbarians were just fucking crazy because those are like really ramped up this this version of the game. Have you found uh, like what that sweet spot is?
1: No, I I like I said I haven't found it in four games except for the mods that the guy named Rai put up for Civ Three and Civ four, which basically like leaned into the imbalances and made it much more of a simulation than a I don't know, a a sprint to the finish or i guess a Mm -hmm. marathon to the finish just depending on your speed so it's i'm currently working on trying to do emperor and finding the size of the map that will actually be have enough enemy civilizations to be interesting but also not totally bog my computer down when it gets to turn 200 and i think this game is slightly more efficient than some Mm -hmm. of the other sieves with roughly equivalent computers at the time but it still turns into a slog in the late game and i don't think that the series is ever going to get better at that I, i they want they want it to be a technical achievement and it is a technical achievement but that comes with a cost of you click in turn wait for 30 seconds click in turn wait for 30 seconds and then that time gets longer and longer mm-hmm. and so figuring out a balance of size of map for interesting game with uh, i don't want to have to wait when i get into the industrial era constantly is mm-hmm. like that's not a fun that's not a fun balance to try to think about it's not. It's not an interesting thing, and this is what I'm realizing has been my dominant experience with, with most recent sieves. Mm-hmm. What have your, what have, what have everyone's favorite games been? Uh, <clears throat> the favorite campaigns in this one?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have, I have two that have really, really stood out. But I'm interested in hearing what, what other people have, what other people's experiences have been.
1: Um, before the end game, my Congo game was actually on an island map, which I normally hate. I, I just dislike the way that naval stuff is done in most games, but it actually is really effective in this one for whatever reason. And I, I it was just like a beautiful... Varied set of islands that I was able to create a bunch of um, interesting cities on and kind of like have a different flair for each one because the islands were cramped in certain ways. And it was just an enjoyable way to spend some time until I got into the mid and late game
3: and everything slowed down. For me, it would have to be a, a, a Rome game I played where uh, every time I met a new Civ, i find out what annoyed them the most the kind of diplomatic penalties or whatever you want to call it, and just did it. <laughs> so very quickly, I had upset basically everyone, and the whole game was just, it was, it was there was a lot of war weariness, I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, but it was just exciting. It was, I mean, I really like the, the tweaks that they've made to, uh, to combat, um, and I, I just had an absolute blast. It's, it's by far my favorite game uh because i was constantly active there was never kind of next turn next turn i was i always felt like i was doing something there was always some sort of campaign or i knew that one was coming because of those little angry red faces um, next to their icons which i that's a touch i I really like you immediately know if you're pissing them off so the only Um, thing that i that i I dislike about that is all the portraits are, are they're all smiling with <laughs> like the actual art of the people it's it's kind of it's kind of distracting it's like their but, diplomatic face but right, actually the right. seething behind it it's really
2: passive aggressive i I've, uh, I've
1: noticed that rome games tend to usually be good for me i've started more than one of them and i think that the way that it automatically does roads and whatever yeah. uh, and oh, uh, it's uh, monuments isn't it? gets rid of a lot of the sort of busy work that is kind of immediately frustrating and lets you get to the cool things. So I have recommended Rome as a first Civ for new mm-hmm. players. What about you, Troy?
0: Really, I mean, this probably speaks to, you know, why I'm not connecting with the game. I've hadn't had any really outstanding experiences. I mean, I've had, I've played a wide variety of games. I have a hundred hours uh, into Civ now, um, you know, on a lot of different levels. And I've tried a lot of different Civs, a lot of different strategies, and I've finished a, f- a few games And, you know, I like playing, I generally like pacifist styles of play, um, but I had to turn off Culture Victory because I kept getting Culture Victories, and I don't want your stupid Culture Victory in 1400. Uh, Thank you very much. I not at the right (laughs) time for it. Um, But really, there hasn't been a game that's really stood out for me as, wow, this was a really outstanding experience or where the map was really good. Um, I, I like... I probably when I fought for oil, you know, I had to go to. I needed oil for my next big thing, so I had to go to war with a much weaker civilization because I needed oil to fight my real enemy on the other side of the map. So I was, you know, p- playing Dick Cheney for the day, I guess. <laughs> um, and that's kind of. I think that kind of stands out. That happens in a lot of games, right? That happens in a lot of Civilization games. It's not a unique Civ Six experience, um, and. I guess, I wonder if, am I the only person who's just, I mean, this is a very good Civ game. Um, it has a lot, I think it has a, the AI certainly is an issue. It does not really responsive. Um, I find a lot of the diplomatic choices don't make a whole lot of sense. Like the Viking king saying, wow, I'm really impressed with your fleet. Wow, the, those two galleys, I still have left over. <laughs> Here I am in 1920, but I got those two galleys. They're really impressive. And who, who's the archaeologist here? It's the Viking guy, because he likes my old boats. You know, the, Those sorts of things don't make a whole lot of sense to me. The diplomatic responsiveness, or why would he like me if I, like a big, if I have a big navy? Shouldn't he hate me because I have a big navy? Because that makes me his rival. Just, he thinks we're simpatico or something. But anyway, that's the diplomatic stuff that I find weird. But I just have not been able to really fall in love with this, which I, kind of bothers me because I've always been in love with Civilization. This is not a series that I have neutral feelings about um, at all. This is my favorite game series probably of all time. I have thousands of hours in all of the Civilizations. But for some reason, I can't bring myself to like really connect to this one. So is anybody else feeling that, or is this just me failing to connect with a 4X game model that I've yeah. said on other podcasts, so I'm getting a little tired of you know. Yeah, it's, you, it's your
1: fault, Troy. You, it, it is. It, 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 is, it, it is Paradox's I, I, fault for making right. great simulations, yeah. and then we go back to these things that don't have great simulations, yeah. so, and
2: it's really tough. <clears throat> so my good games have always been like leaning into that, right? Like leaning yeah. into that. This isn't a sip. So, sure. Um, my China game, which was, uh, which was, to me was had? fantastic. So China's ability is. They up up until I think the classical era, or maybe it's the next one. Uh, they can expend their settler charges. So again, another change, and maybe we can loop back and talk about this yep. change is that settlers have a set number of uses as being builders.
0: Builders, yeah, builders.
2: Sorry. Yes, thank you, builders. So they can use builders to build to 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 knock off. It's like fifteen percent or something. Like it's a significant portion of a of a of a of a, of a wonder. And, and what's great is that in previous Civ games. Um, I've always just ended up. You, you you have these super cities, right? Like if you are if you are a civilization that builds wonders, you create something like a, this city that you know. With the, this is the city that can build the wonder the fastest, so it's going to go there. And maybe if two or two of these these cities, but those are the ones where the wonders get built. What's great about the China game is that when I'm setting up my 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 fourth city in the middle of this desert. I don't have to wait to build the Petra. I could just put it there. I could put Big Ben on on a newly built city, and well, not Big Ben because I was too too fast. But but you can understand. And, and and what was interesting is that like I was I was creating. It was the first time in a civilization game where I could create this this uh, scenario. Now it was totally broken because I picked the the religious thing that gave you plus four per world wonder, and I just I ended the game really early. But that was a lot of fun. And then the second one was I again I really liked I really liked the, the ability uh for um, having cities develop I think faster in this version and developing their own identity and I liked the civs that facilitated that. And yeah. one of them I think one of my one of my fun games and this is a, a trigger warning to any of our PETA our PETA, uh friends. Um I was playing a cityian game and so say the Scivia help me out with the pronunciation of this. So Scythia? Scythia. Scythia. So Scythia's Scythia's sieve is whenever they build a horseman or a horse archer they get two and I developed what I'm gonna call the um the glue factory strategy (laughs) which was um you can actually produce them really really quickly and then immediately sell them for an incredible amount of gold allowing you to buy stuff in other cities really fast
0: <laughs> and, oh.
2: and that was how my, my my that that particular game i had i was able to sort of build up all these you know i was able to create a new city build the water wheel build the granary build the you know bah, 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 first turn you know just being able to lay out all of this stuff right away uh because my first four sieves were Uh, operating these glue factories. And so I think leaning into the brokenness and leaning into these and like buying into that system optimization element and finding out what that's going to be. Are you going to be Russia and you're going to, you know, create these holy districts that, that create, or the, the Laharv or, you know, their specific districts, these things that create like an incredible amount of, of holy. And, you know, you're just going to have these apostles running out. Like for me, that was the fun of figuring out how to break it with every sieve.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I, I love that the, many of the sieve traits, not all of them, but many of the sieve traits are, do lend to like. Certain types of games, like the Aztecs, they you, they you can they can use their workers to rush to what they what they rush districts, so you can start an early war on a weak enemy, grab their. When you defeat a unit, it becomes a worker, for, a builder for you. So you bring the builder back, and then you're rushing out all of your districts, you know, building those nice and quickly. So you can get your cities up with the biggest, most important structures, which are your districts, up very, very quickly. So you just build a bunch of eagle warriors, because it only works for the eagle warrior. It doesn't work later on in the game. So you need to have an early ancient war uh, for the Aztecs, which I guess is kind of appropriate, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I mean, you, 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 you get to be the jerk ass Montezuma has always been the jerk yeah, ass Montezuma right. punishing you in every game. Uh, you get to be the, the the bad person because that is a, that is their big power. Um, that is their ability. You cannot have a successful Aztec uh, game is not going to be a peaceful game because you want to take advantage of being able to rush those districts. It's a great, great early advanced power, just like China's uh, rushing the wonders. Um, I haven't played with all of the Civs yet, so I'm not quite sure which ones are underpowered or are boring. I guess the American one about national parks. National parks. Who cares about national parks and tourism uh, besides Teddy Roosevelt? And
1: And it comes so late that you may never actually have it be something that affects your game.
2: Yeah. Let's talk about the late game. Who cares about the late game? I wanted to to talk about what Troy said for a minute. Sure, yeah
1: um like it's good that these civs all have their own specific flavors but i'm not sure that it fits with the other design decision of kind of letting the game flow right so like it wants you to you know focus on the map and just kind of do whatever follow the quests do these things but and it also wants you to play these civilizations in ways that will like just punish the ai and I like. I would. I want the game where I just get to flow on the map. Like this is the thing that I want. And having these really, really strong national identities, which is something that Civ V really leaned into, and I think it worked in that kind of game. I'm not sure it really works in this kind of game. It's it works might be a strong word, but it builds a tension that I don't think the game resolves terribly well.
3: Fraser yeah so i've i kind of had this weird realization basically and i was talking uh with you try about this on on sunday and i kind of just lost my excitement for civ as a series perhaps um it just doesn't do it for me in in the way that it used to i was i was really excited at first and when i had the the preview build which was essentially what we got at launch as well and um, i really got into it and i i thoroughly enjoyed stuff and I honestly do think that this is the best core Civ. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, I was really excited when I got my my review copy and I started playing and I was like, oh shit, I'm a bit bored. And I, I couldn't figure it out. And I don't think it's necessarily anything that Civ Six does wrong. It's a case of it's not you, it's me. Uh I just, I want something more. And I think, you know, we were joking about it a a moment ago, but I think it really is games like Paradox's Output and and, and other things like other 4X games that are doing really interesting things like Amplitude uh, have have fascinated me for a while now. Endless Legend was amazing. Endless Space 2 seems great. And they're doing unique things. They're bold.
1: Endless Legend gets around this by leaning completely and totally into the you're playing the map thing and you can finish the game without even really caring about the strategy aspect of it you can play it almost as an rpg where you're just following the quests and the quests work at getting you doing the things that you kind of want to do to make a good game but like In Civ, you have this problem where you're chasing these specific strategic victory conditions on this map that's kind of built towards, I just want to fiddle around with this. And, like, one of my disappointments is that I feel like there is the core of a good simulation here. The way that the AI handles um, the... uh, uh, kind of diplomatic traits of each empire, I forget what the term is, but each one has a, like, a Agenda? specific public... They have
3: two agendas. Yeah, yeah agendas, yeah, yeah. that's the word. Each one yeah, has a specific... historical and secret random one.
1: Right, and the historical one is something that is always the same each time, and it, it it can be weird. Like, Teddy Roosevelt wants to, like, keep his continent at peace, but he'll get pissed off and declare war on people who don't do that. So combine this with you know whatever he likes people who have huge armies um or you know the whatever secret one he has and the potential for having a game with a strong narrative of other civilizations like doing things on their own and you are interacting with them in the kind of uh story of the world is what i want and i don't think this game is quite there yet and then large part of that's because i don't think the ai is there yet and i don't know that the pace of the game really mm-hmm. supports that um, yeah yeah i, th- I think that i think the pace is a
2: is is a big thing but i think as it relates to the four of us on this call who have uh, been playing since you know i've been playing since if one i'm sure you, uh, the rest of you either have or, or 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 at least one of the earlier ones you know we all have probably a thousands of hours right into this series uh, is that um, again, I I think maybe I've, I, I know what's going to happen. Civ for me, the exploration part, the early game has always been the most exciting. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think 15, 20, 25 years ago now when I was playing the game for the first time, I would push myself to, to get to the end because I wasn't sure, right? Um, and maybe it took a little further for me to figure out, like, oh, in Civ three, like becoming a you know religious fanatic, so they don't have to pay mil- you know, uh, upkeep costs. is fantastic. Let's do that, right? Um, that I have played so much of this, and I know that once I've sort of set the stage, that. I'm hours away from completing. The turns are going to take longer and longer. Do I really need to sit through this anymore? I know I've won. No one here is going to going to challenge me on that. Um, and part of me just wonders, like maybe you know that's that's okay for me, right? I'm going to explore the first. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to uh, you know. Maybe 800 AD or something like that. And I'm just going to call the game. And then I'm going to... I haven't bought Tyranny, but maybe I'll just pick up whatever Paradox is doing. Because those are, are relatively new. I've only been playing those games for five years. Narratives are different. The length of the game, the pacing is all it's all just new to me. Uh, but I, I suspect that if this is your first or second Civ game, you're going to be super excited.
1: I mean, I've been playing EU since 1999, and I'm still more excited by EU4 than I mm-hmm. am by this. So I'm not sure that that's the only thing.
2: Uh, it's the potential Sorin for Johnson. surprise, isn't it? Yeah, I think it. I, yes, I think you're exactly right. Right, like it is. It is the potential for, uh, for for things to go off the rail, or or, or some new challenge that you're going to have to uh, navigate.
1: Well, I mean, this sort of goes to one of the core problems of the series: is that in the last five, ten years for strategy games. Um, they've adopted the Dwarf Fortress motto, losing is fun, right? If you're losing in EU4, like maybe maybe if you totally lose, it's not so... It's not so great. But if you lose a war, if you lose a key city or whatever, there's probably a decent chance you can come back from that. In Civ, like, I don't ever find losing fun. And I don't find winning by a huge amount of fun. So I have to try to find this specific balance. But to go back to what you were saying about the early game being better, I interviewed Soren Johnson about this. And I was like, maybe it's just me. And I like exploring and all these things. And he was like, no, we have playtesters who play the first hundred turns of the game every time. So we hone that. But the end game takes a lot longer for people to get to, and I've that, that just like blew my mind. It's like, oh, obviously, makes so it's a sense. Makes so technical <laughs> thing. Uh, <laughs> they spend more time trying to do
3: that because they spend more time playing that. Uh, that is but, so
0: bloody obvious.
3: Yeah, but I also think there's I, something I think just about... inherently fun about exploring. Because I mean, mm-hmm. even though I, I don't think. Civ Six has has really any surprises. Uh, it doesn't. It's not always a bad thing, and I think it might be. A, there no. might be surprises for someone who's never played Civ before or has only played, maybe Civ Four, Civ Five. You know, they're still a bit new. Um, but with exploration, there's still not surprises, but new things. You're always encountering something, uh, and it feels like every turn is an event, uh, and that gets me quite excited. Uh, I and that's. i I think even if that hadn't been play tested much more than the the end game it would still be the bit that i liked the most Uh, uh, and, and for sure and i think that there's there's
2: actually a great deal of nuance uh in in this new game i caught myself or i didn't catch myself it was it was a conscious decision um because of uh this idea that um building districts there are these like the terrain matters the map matters and civ uh one of the things um that uh john did uh in civ six or civ five was was make the uh terrain generation a bit more intelligent so i know that uh in this game rivers are super important in this game, like in the world, rivers generate from mountains, and mountains are great for certain things, that if I know where the ocean is, and I find a river, I can go in the opposite direction and find a mountain, and that, I I, I did that, and that was awesome, and you, and, and if you're lucky, you, 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 you're walking around, and you run into the Dead Sea, or you, you um you find a a particularly you know cherry spot with the right resources, and that moment um is 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 still awesome, and yeah. and frankly I don't think um has been captured by another another series quite as well. Uh, I didn't quite get into Endless Legend as as I bounced off of it. I I, I think I think my computer didn't handle it very well. Uh. But uh, but you know that certainly I think the paradox games don't do that quite as well. Although the randomized new world was kind of cool in U four, but
1: it's a little bit different. It's you still have to like send a colonist to find the resources, so it's it's definitely not the same sort of just having an explorer uncover something amazing. And they're Um, also
3: dealing with a world that we're quite familiar with because it's ours. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) whereas would say if it could be, you know, I would say that
1: in addition to what you're saying David this game because of the way the districts work and stuff that that joy of finding a new part of the map is probably the best it's ever been in the series Um, because you're like you're you're, you know sending your scouts and your warriors around your original city and all of a sudden you find that river hitting the mountain and it happens to be next to a good set of hills not too many and like there's maybe one or two desert patches so you could build wonders there if you wanted and it's like that that sort of um picking out the best places to put your cities is uh, has always been one of my favorite parts of the game and it's better than ever here because there's more variety than just okay where's the most stone and food resources on the map and just plop a settler right there it's there's actually like an active part of decision making that i think it handles really nicely yeah so, when
3: you see like a half circle mountain range and you're like yeah. right I'm getting a city there i'm getting a holy site it's gonna be great um, uh, I love the, that. The, the, fantastic. Then,
0: then you get Charles Darwin as a great scientist, and he gets science oh, yeah. points if you activate him on a natural wonder, so you go looking for the Cliffs of Dover and get him surrounded by the six hexes perfect yeah yeah, <laughs> no. yeah
1: Galileo the, in the mountains, I think that's right yeah.
0: so, so you want to get that little half little half circle for him too um so so where does
2: this game go like I know we're 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 all not we're all not sure maybe this isn't for us. I'm pretty sure this is the best vanilla Civ, but this, this series has had a long history of, uh, of sort of coming out a little bit weak and, and then building, well, maybe not a long history, let's say since Civ um, four of, of expansions, really sort of filling in uh, the empty spaces on the map. I'm not too sure where there's, those are going to be.
0: Well, I think the first thing they're going to do what they tried to do with Civ 5 because they have the, the two leaders for Greece, but no one else has two leaders. So they're going to try to do what they did with Civ 5 and release national DLCs. I mean, that's pretty clear, I think. They'll be doing leader DLCs. They tried that with Civ 5, didn't work very well, so they went back to traditional expansions. Um, but you wouldn't have multiple leaders for one Civ and not two, and make multiple Civs, multiple leaders have multiple, have different powers, make that a late marketing feature. Uh, bullet point unless you planned on adding you know catherine or whomever catherine the great or elizabeth the first people who aren't in the game uh now so yeah you could you could that, release packs of like good. three
1: leaders for each sieve for yeah. the big ones you do so
0: that's but as far as you know core aspects of the game i mean, they, they there needs to be a diplomatic victory um if they can make diplomacy a little more transparent and understandable. So there will be a diplomatic game. Uh will probably be like Brave New World out of the Congress. Was it Brave New World out of the Diplomatic Congress? The World mm-hmm. Congress? And then Gothic Kings five? was the religion. Right. So they already have religion here. The religious victories, the religious games just Send your missionaries and it's kill your missionaries. missionaries. I
3: mean, I like that they can kind of fight other missionaries. That's or um, apo- it's not missionaries; it's apostles that can do that, isn't it? Or, yes, uh, apostles.
0: Apostles fight missionaries or other apostles. Yeah,
3: and that's kind of cool. But the, especially the AI, because the AI is just strategy. Is just every bit of like um, religious. They spend resource, all their faith. It's yeah. just they awful. spend all
0: their faith to send you to send missionaries. Even even if there's no reason except for the religious victory condition, which I guess is a reason because they'll <laughs> just the only reason, reason, reason <laughs> isn't it? That's the smartest the
1: AI is.
0: Yeah. Even if you turn religious victory off, they'll still do that. Uh, and,
2: And frankly, I've had them where if you convert their cities, they'll still produce missionaries and apostles from that city and then they're actually spreading your religion so they can't really <laughs> handle it very well But nice
0: guys, yeah. nice uh, so that's, so, so I think the dip- diplomatic is where they need to go okay. they've made a lot about um, the diplomatic responses, the different agendas uh, so I think there'll be a diplomatic victory, I think that's kind of where they need to go to make that system more interesting, more transparent um, and maybe a little more active that
1: was, so there's two big things that I think need to be done and one of them I'm utterly shocked by is that it does not have Steam Workshop support. Um, oh, when yeah. I interviewed mm, them crazy. two months before release they were talking about how this was going to be the most moddable save ever and they were really excited about you know their mod plans that they couldn't say yet because that wasn't part of their really rigid marketing scheme and I was like, okay, <laughs> but now it comes out and they don't have any official mod support is just i i do not understand this like i said that the culture victory was the worst part of the game design but not having mod support is probably an even bigger problem or not having official mod support because like we've talked about our problems with sort of civilization and the 4x genre and so on and as i said civ 3 and civ 4 were some of my favorites because there was one person whose really detailed mods happened to hit what i seem to want out of a game like this and now i don't even know where that is like i don't even civ 5 they didn't they didn't ever release the the um, like deepest form of modding i forget exactly what kind of file it was but they never allowed you to edit it edit that in the way that civ 4 did and so um those mods were usually more superficial than some of the crazy stuff you would get for civ 4 um, the second thing is that I think they need to make losing fun, right? I think they need to have a way to rebalance aggressive strategies in this game. If you do something early in the game that kind of breaks it, there needs to be a pushback on that later in the game. And I think the most obvious choice for this is environmentalism. This is something that the series started with really aggressively and has almost totally lost Any attempt to model how humans affect their environment, create natural disasters, create minor disasters, just, you know, turning um, farmland into desert. Like, look at what happened to the Fertile Crescent. Like, this is a thing that should be in the game, and it should be modeled as a pushback against over-aggressive, over-successful early gameplay. I don't know if, this is something that fits with Fraxus's general philosophy. Um, it doesn't seem to fit with how they have made civilization since if one or two, but I think this is the absolute best thing they could do: is create a pushback. As long as and they don't go seems the... perfect.
3: As long as they don't go the route of like Master Varian, which is just. <laughs> You build stuff and then you get lots of pollution, and then you have to build something else that reduces pollution yeah, no, so the, for the, the, they need garbage. to lean
1: into it and make interesting mechanics out of it, and yeah. I believe they could if they tried they, Crazy, there are a ton even of interesting things. mechanics in these games
3: um
2: another thing that sort of got that you know got lost along the way, and maybe it was a good thing um uh full disclosure we're now two days after the american election was um was like political dissidents right like in those early like civ one and two you could like rebels and you and and your cities could turn and 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 generate units that would does that have any place in a in a in a modern in a modern game or do you think those that sort of mechanic was pulled because no one
1: wanted to deal with uh with rebels I love that. Like I love seeing a gigantic empire in Civ two suddenly split into what was Germany is now Germany and Mongolia. I mean that doesn't make any sense, and maybe that's why they pulled it. But it was always a really interesting thing. I love seeing it in Paradox games. Um, it was a disappointment to me that Stellaris did not do this well enough. When Paradox, other Paradox games have, we know, we, we know
0: how disappointed you were with Stellaris. <laughs> I'm I mean, sorry, Troy we even wrote a letter about it (laughs) yeah your
1: letter was fantastic and i appreciate all the hard work that has gone into it i'm just (laughs) saying this is a thing that i love to see in games i think it it adds a pushback to over aggressive expansion and play and i yeah rebellions revolutions and so on
3: i mean there's Um, a bit of that in civ 6 already though
2: there's so a little it bit more than there was in Civ Five, but it's not where it was in Civ Two. So I yeah, got it, the warnings. I got the warnings, like in the in the and we we didn't talk about UI, and I think that could be a whole other um, uh, line of of questioning. But it is getting late, uh, and I I'm just gonna put it out there that I think it took a, a pretty big step back. But whatever, um, you I I these like red you know red notifications will pop up and it will say hey. This city needs more amenities. Uh, if not, people are going to um, revolt. I don't know. I was at minus two uh, amenities in a lot of my cities, and nothing ever happened. Like, he had reduced production.
1: Um, but that's about it. Like, there's no revolution. There, there yeah, you can occasional incite powerful, powerful barbarian units that will pop up that's the main thing that happens first oh so that's what uh, those anti-tanks were okay okay yeah and you you can also sort of besiege enemy cities when you're fighting long wars against them you'll see the all of a sudden they have knights and stuff rebelling against them and you've never seen a barbarian knight before yeah that's that's the amenities uh, okay. going a little haywire but it's very the amenity system is very subtle and i'm not sure if that's a good thing or not I think it works, but I think it's a little too understated. Mm-hmm. So
2: do you think if I was if I was working at Foraxis, I would have I would be looking at uh what Paradox has done with uh, starting with CK two and then with uh with U4 and seeing these games um be these evergreen products where there's just expansion expansion and build upon, and build upon and they they like have i have to imagine extended even past the 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 wildest dreams of the developers can civ do that is this the type of of, of game that can actually manufacture that sort of of
1: uh you know uh, live ops product development i think conceptually yes because this is, for many people, their default comfort strategy game. Mm-hmm. Like I for, not... many people,
0: for many people, this is the only strategy game they know. Yeah. For many people, this is the only strategy they'll ever play. would will be this and maybe The Sims.
1: Yeah, and I would say The Sims is an RPG, but that's a whole other it's thing. It's both. Um, and so, like, they will come back to this game consistently. Maybe not with the rabidity of some Paradox fans, but... If something new for Civ comes out and seems cool, they'll probably grab it. So, conceptually, as a product, I think that's possible. As an actual game, I think it is somewhat hobbled by it being, you know, the race from 4000 BC to 2100 um, CE. It's always set in that particular form and i think that there are only so many things that can be done within that form if Foraxis wants to break out of that and definitely a scenario pack would um be appreciated by many many people right. um then i think they'll have a lot more success with that a sort lot of depends surface.
0: on what 2k wants to do with this right that i mean for uh, i mean this is 2k's this is one of their big cash grabs this is the longest we've gone between you know major civ chapters right
2: i i I, like so much so that i had completely forgot about scenarios i love them
0: yeah (laughs) yeah and some of them were really really well done um I think the fall of Rome scenario in civ five yeah uh, is an example is an example, which is a really outstanding uh, well done uh, scenario uh, where you know Rome gets all of these penalties to, to that has to deal with and, uh, starts really strong and then has to fight against its own decline. And, and I think this systems i think civ six has. Lots of room for that sort of stuff. I forgot about scenarios, too, so thank you for mentioning everyone. I think that's a great place for them to go for expansions. And I, I could um, be
2: wrong, but I'm pretty sure the lead designer of this one started out doing scenarios. I, I, might, be, I might be wrong, but somewhere in the back of my head that I think, I think that's true.
3: Could be. We'll have to look that up. <laughs> See, I kind of, I feel like, and this is why I was so disappointed with Beyond Earth, because I thought Beyond Earth could be for Axis trying something genuinely new for them uh, especially when they're like oh this isn't alpha centauri this is something different i didn't realize something different meant it's actually just civ uh, <laughs> and i it i think that's more what i want i want the the talented minds at Foraxis to come up with a new 4x strategy game and maybe just take a break from Civ for mm-hmm. like a decade, uh, which they're never gonna do. <laughs> they're never because, gonna be allowed to do that. And I understand. I mean, happened. it's not like it's even their choice at this point. No. Um, and I totally get that. But the the dreamer in me desperately wants them mm-hmm. to just try something, and st- you know, still a massive epic 4X game. That's what they they know. But just not Civ. Let's find a new oh. angle for Axis. But uh, oh, yeah, not that's not gonna
1: happen. Game. Uh, hmm? It can be you can make great grand strategy games that aren't 4x games. I think yeah, this has like, been yeah, amply demonstrated be by um, certain publishers that we can't talk about too much because public's <laughs> of interest. But
0: Kong I think Kong Kong we've already f- we've yeah, already yeah, crossed I, I, that I, I, line. People are gonna think I just have you guys on to blow smoke up my ass. Uh, well,
1: that's that's why my Stellaris stuff is necessary. I mean, yeah, no, seriously. Hey, man, I'm, I'm fr-
2: frankly I'm with you, but. Um, uh, yeah i don't know it's i i think that it's going to be tough for them to 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 get away from it but all that being said is um you know these are immense products with uh, uh, an actually like a remarkably small team and so i think that you know game development is all about these trade-offs and um i was initially skeptical of they're going to come out with this with this game and it's going to have all these things and that's too big of a thing for them possibly to actually execute in vanilla and uh barring some ai issues which i think are pretty standard for the for the um for the genre uh i think it holds up remarkably well um i have you know put in 100 hours i've played a bunch of games um i've really enjoyed some of the changes we didn't even talk about builders, um, but I think that change was was is was, was particularly savvy. Even though I think it's borrowed from the one non for sieve a little bit. It's culture. The culture.
1: Best thing of from two thousand sibs. Yeah,
2: I I I I I think this is a great product um, and a good step forward. I think I'm a little bit skeptical as to where they go from here um but i you know i do wish them uh, all all the, all the good luck i
0: i but i i don't know if i'm going to keep playing it you know well i'm going to keep playing it i only have 100 hours in because <laughs> i have 900 to go before i can give this a fair evaluation um any final thoughts uh no other than pro-
3: I'm maybe not going to keep playing it uh i just feel like i i've gotten everything i can possibly get from the game at this point um or at least while still enjoying myself uh, I might find myself coming back to it but there are just so many great not just strategy games just great games and I don't feel the need to keep playing this thing that I've been playing for like over 20 years uh, so yeah it's a bit sad yeah it, it, it is and
2: maybe a weird time of year for this to come out is this normal for, for maybe si- we're all yeah. just super
3: depressed <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, I mean to be fair, I mean, I think this, I mean, I, even if I am a little bit burned out on either Civ or 4X games, the, some of the design choices here, to go back to the beginning of the podcast, especially in the city building, uh, and making the map, you know, of vital interest, is are absolute bits of genius, uh, I think, as far as design. Maybe a little bit cribbed from other games, but the way it's been adapted to the Civ formula, I think, is just outstanding. So we don't want people to think... Because we have been talking the last 30 minutes about issues with the game that we do that we do not like uh, everything about civilization. Um, I could go on for another hour at least just about the wonders and why they have so many of them and yet they miss most of the first seven ones. But
1: I think they want more variety in everything. And I think it's generally a good thing.
0: Yeah, but there's no no hell, no mausoleum of Helicarnasus. Ne- um, there's no, the one everyone statue forgets. Of Zeus, Al- no statue of Zeus. No statue of Zeus at Lipa. I forget no one seen. nothing. <laughs> no one's seen any of them except the pyramids. <laughs> Who are you talking about? No one's seen. <laughs> the, there's a statue of Zeus somewhere. Gardens. We
1: have seven now. It's a prime number. Let's roll with it.
0: a bunch of weirdos. Um, (laughs) So thank you for listening to Three Moves Ahead, which uh, is all you can find on the Idle Thumbs Network at 3movesahead.net. I'd like to thank our producer, Michael Hermes, for assembling our vocal stylings into something coherent and relatively nice to listen to. If you have any questions, uh, please feel free to email or DM us or something. We're on Twitter. We have a forum. Uh, we're not that difficult to find. If you would like what you've listened to and would like to support more of this, we have a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash 3MA. On behalf of my guests, Fraser Brown, Rowan Kaiser, Dave Herron, and our absent boss and master, Rob Zachney, have a good night, everyone.